Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 22. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 22. I'm going to be laying some groundwork tonight. I'm going to be teaching tonight. And so I'm going to try to help you and open up your eyes to something that will help you in your life and in your walk. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. I got a pop quiz question. How many of you want to answer this pop quiz question? If you answer this pop quiz question right, what can I give them, Reed? Man, that's too much. (laughs) What's that? You get a what? All right, you you get a free drink out of the snack shack. Now look, now look, if you answer it wrong... You're buying me. No, seriously. You're buying me a free drink. That's Snack Shack. The question is... No. I'll ask the question first and then I'll see. The question is, the word cowlick, cowlick, in talking about your hair, is it cowlick, C-O-W, lick, or is it cal, C-A-L, lick? Now, you got, now I'm saying you got to throw your hand up in the air because if you think you know it, well, I'm going to get you a free drink. So we got one hand. Caleb's first hand is in the air. How many want to, you're sure you know what it is. Hold on, don't answer yet. You're sure you know what it is. Don't look it up on, hey, Caleb. Cow? C-O-W. Are you sure? Is he right? Yes. Are you sure, Paul? You're right, it's cowlick, C-O-W. I looked it up today, it was killing me, because I've been told by a beautiful woman, my, ne- my wife, that it was cowlick, and so I was telling everybody it was cowlick, but it's really cowlick. Like when a cow, C-O-W, moo, licks your hair, it sticks straight up. Caleb, I'm getting you a free drink, you better come get it from me, man. You there tonight, Matthew 6, 22? You there? You open up your Bible? Matthew 6, verse 22. It says this. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Somebody say, I... I think you got to have a good eye. It's pretty important to have a good eye, isn't it? Because if your eye is bad, then your whole body is going to be full of darkness. But if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. So don't you think it's important to have a good eye? Gabriel, what does that mean? i got 20-20 vision. Does that mean i got to have 20-15 vision? When Jesus is speaking this, he's talking about the mind's eye. He's talking about your perspective. He's talking about your view in life. If your view is good, your whole body will be full of light. If your view is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Don't you think that your view is important? Don't you think that the lens that you look through in life is important? Don't you think that the way that you see things in life, don't you think that's important? Yes? Because, if, because if, it, if, it, if it determines whether or not your body is full of light or darkness, 
If it determines the way you live your life, then it's probably pretty important. If the way you see life and the lens by which you see life, if that determines how you live life, then your lens and your view is so important. So many of us in here get frustrated about Christianity. And I tell you the reason is not because God is doing something wrong. The reason is because your view is wrong. I promise you, if you have the right view in life, you will live a reasonable life. And so what I want to do tonight is I want to help you know what a good view is. I want to help you. I want to help open your eyes to see what a good view is. Because I'm convinced from this word that if you have a good view, you're going to live a good life. If you have a good view, you're going to live what is called the reasonable life. But if your view is bad, if your view is incorrect, and if your view is wrong, you're going to live a, a bad life. A life where there's struggles. And not that there's not struggles in the good life. There are struggles in the good life. But your soul is still at peace. A life where, a life where your soul is at ease no matter what is going on. But if your eye and if your view is bad, you will go through trials. And you will still go through tribulations. And you will go through hardships. But your soul will go there with you. But if you got a good eye and your view is good, and you have the right perspective, though you may go through those trials, and though the waves may toss you up and down, your soul will stay secure in God. Does this make sense? So your view is important. Your view is important, especially if we're going to talk about living a godly life. If we're talking about the life of character, and you look at all these words up here, honor and wisdom, and initiative and availability, those words aren't the best, but honesty. You look up Galatians 5.22 and the fruit of the Spirit. And my proposal to you tonight is that that is a reasonable life, that you ought to live that way. My proposal to you tonight is that you ought to live a godly life. Not because you have to, but because you should, because it's reasonable, because it's logical. But you're not going to live that life if you don't have the right view. Philippians 2.13 says this in the New Living Translation. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. I'm going to read that one more time. For God is working in you. Say, in me. In me. No, no. Say, in me. in me. Okay. God is working in me. Okay. Giving me the desire. Say desire. desire. Come on, say it louder than that. Say desire. Okay. He's giving me the desire and He's giving me the power. Say power. power. Come on, say power. power. Like there's some power behind it. Say power. power. He's giving you the desire and the power. That, power. that word power can also be translated the ability. He's giving you the desire and the ability. How many know that's a good thing? You know, if you, have, if you have the desire and the ability to do something, you will, in fact, do it. Because the truth is, you do what you want to do. And how many of you want your want to be for God? How many of you want the thing inside of you that yearns for something to be for God? And the Bible tells us clearly that God gives that desire to you 
And he not only gives you the desire, he gives you that ability to do that thing which he's called you to do. That's good news. But that's the right view. The right view is, God is working in me the desire, and God is working in me the ability. It's God who does it. See, in view of His mercies, I want to live godly. And in view of His grace, I can live godly. I'm going to say that again. If you're taking notes, this is so important for you to do because I promise you, if you live from this perspective, you will not live frustrated, you will not live confused, but you will live a simple, godly, reasonable life. In view of His mercies, I want to live godly. And in view of His grace, I can live godly. So tonight, I'm going to talk about in view of all His mercies. And next Thursday night, I'm going to talk about in view of His grace. Tonight, we're going to talk about the desire. The desire to live the reasonable life. Because I could sit here all day, literally all day, trying to tell you to live reasonable. Trying to tell you to live this life that God's called you to live. But if you don't want to, the truth of the matter is, you will not. Because 100% of the time, you do what you want to do, don't you? You're here tonight because you wanted to be here. Gabriel, I don't. Well, you do because you're here. And you can only do what you want to do. And so I want to show all of us how we can have a want to for God. How we can have a desire rise up in our hearts that yearns to do this life for God. How many remember the day when you got saved? When you couldn't wait to worship? You couldn't wait to read your Bible. You couldn't wait to, to jump and the screen. You didn't care. Anybody thought of you. You just loved Jesus. You remember that day? Yeah. You know why that day was so good? It's because you had the right view. And what happens in life is you get off of that view and your view becomes something different and you start living a different life. And so I want to show us tonight that if you have the view of His mercy in the forefront of your eye, you will have a desire that rises up in you to live this reasonable life. Open up your Bibles also to Romans chapter 12. Flip over to Romans chapter 12. Fast forward. Fast forward. Romans chapter 12. Sixth book of the New Testament. Paul just gets done. The Apostle Paul who's writing this book. Just gets done talking about all of the mercies of God. Paul just gets done talking about the, the means of salvation. Paul just gets done telling us that we were dead in our sin, or rather, that we were lost. That nobody sought or wanted God, but God revealed His Son. And so that anybody that puts their faith in Jesus could become right with God and live in eternity with God from that point on. He just gets done telling us about this amazing power that works in your life in Romans chapter 8. That you're not only forgiven... But the Spirit of God comes to dwell inside of your body to cause you to live this life. He just gets done telling you that you are living a horrible life and God came and showed you mercy. Paul just gets done showing this church and these people the most important message, that salvation is by faith alone. 
I'm going to say that again. The most important message is that salvation is by faith alone. Faith in what, Gabriel? Faith in faith? No, I don't believe in faith. My faith is not in faith. My faith is in Jesus. My faith is in Jesus and who He is and what He did. That's where my faith rests. And so Paul just gets done telling us that most amazing, that most amazing truth, that salvation is by faith. And then he opens up for us in chapter 12 with these amazing words. He says, I beseech you therefore, or I charge you therefore. Therefore is an important word. Brethren, by the mercies of God, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Which is your reasonable service. Let me read now the Amplified. I appeal to you therefore. Therefore is such an important word. Because therefore just, it, it, it implies... All of what I just said, therefore, because of all of what I just got done telling you about, about His mercies, therefore, I'm going to tell you something in view of all of that. And I beg you, in view of all the mercies of God, to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all of your members and your faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, your rational, your intelligent service and spiritual worship. Let's pray. Father, tonight, Lord, we are so thankful and grateful for Your mercies in our life. God, I pray tonight You'd open up the eyes of our understanding and help us see your mercies, and how good you are. God, I pray you destroy every lying spirit and every deceptive spirit. God, I pray that your truth would prevail tonight. God, I thank you, God, for your, for your grace that's working in me and in us right now. And I ask you to help us to apply this word to our life. God, I thank you for your purpose tonight. And I ask that, Lord, it would have its way in Jesus' name. Amen. In view of the mercies of God. Would you say that with me? In view of all the mercies of God. In view of all the mercies of God. I beseech you, brethren. I challenge you. I charge you, young people. I charge all of you here to present your bodies a living sacrifice, he says. A living sacrifice. What is, Gabriel, what is this reasonable life? Let me ask. What is this life that you're calling reasonable? One, it's an aggressive, loving relationship with God. People say that worshiping God and jumping for God and reading your Bible every day for God and asking Him to challenge you and to know you and asking Him to convict you. People say that that's just crazy. You're extreme. You're one of them extreme radical Christians. But the Bible says here that, no, that life of presenting your body to God, that's just reasonable. That's not, that's not extreme. Present your whole body to God. That's not extreme or radical. That's not preposterous. That's, that's reasonable. That's intelligent. 
You want to live the intelligent life? Then have an aggressive, loving pursuit with God. And two, it's an aggressive, loving relationship with my neighbor. Hit your neighbor. Hit your other neighbor. If you don't got another neighbor, hit the neighbor you just hit. Man, you're hitting too hard over there. The reason of life is a life that it loves your neighbor. It's an aggressive, say aggressive. It's an aggressive pursuit of love toward my neighbor. Your neighbor is not just the person sitting next to you. Your neighbor is every single person you come into contact with. And this life, this reasonable life, is a life that is in love with God and a life that pursues one another in genuine love. Gabriel, that's a high standard. It is. But it's reasonable. It's reasonable if you have the correct view. It's rational. It's logical. It's intelligent. It's the, it's the reasonable thing you ought to do. And thirdly, it's expressed through the fruit of the Spirit. One, I want to pursue and love God. Two, I want to love my neighbor. And three, I want to have this fruit of the Spirit. What's that? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, long-suffering, gentleness, self-control. <clears throat> Gabriel, that's a, lot of, that's a lot of stuff, man. That's pretty, that's pretty extreme. You're telling me that me and all my situations and circumstances, me and my young age, look at what's happened to me. You're telling me that's reasonable? Yes. If you have your view, and your view is in your own lifestyle and what you've done and what you've accomplished, then you're not going to live that life. But if your view is in the mercies of God, you will live the correct life. What is your view tonight? What is your view to live this life? Because I promise you, the view that you have determines who you are. And if you have the wrong view, you won't love God. If you have the wrong view, you're not going to want to read your Bible. But if you have the right view, you're not going to be able to wait to wake up and to read your Bible. Well, Gabriel, now that just doesn't make sense because... Because I think I got the right view. No, 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 no. Because the Bible says a reasonable thing to do is if you see through the eyes and for the perspective of His mercy, you can't wait to read your Bible. I can't wait to worship God. I don't even like sleeping very much because I just want to praise God. People say that's, that's extreme. No, 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 no. You know what was extreme? Let me tell you what was extreme. Extreme was Jesus hanging naked on a cross so that you could have no more shame and that you, your sins could be forgiven and washed. That He died. This is the God-man. Died. He was buried and He rose again on behalf of you. Not for Him, but for you. That is extreme. That's radical. Now, if you were to ask God, he would say, no, that's not that radical. That's reasonable in my economy because I so love them. It's reasonable for me to love them. But from our perspective, no, God, that's radical. And he says, yeah, it is from your perspective. You're right. I did a radical thing for you so you can do a, ra a reasonable thing for me. Man, I'm telling you, if your perspective, if your view is correct... If your view is in the right place, I'm telling you, you're going to have a desire to love God. You're going to have a desire to love your neighbor. You're going to have a desire to live godly. And if you don't, if you don't have that desire at any given moment, I promise you, your view is in the wrong place. If you don't live godly, 
And if you do stumble and fall, which we do stumble and fall, and I do stumble and fall, and the reason why I stumble and fall is because I got the wrong view. I'm looking at the wrong thing. And I'm going to live unreasonable. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you tonight, the most important thing you can do with your mind is set it on the right thing. You have the ability. The Bible says you've been set free. Galatians 5 says you've been set free. Romans 6 talks about the freedom you have in Christ, that you are bound to your sinful nature, but you've been set free. You've been set free to choose to live according to the Spirit, according to God's nature, or to live according to the flesh. You have that ability with your mind. And so I challenge, as Paul does 2,000 years ago, I charge you to present your mind to God. To have the correct view. For this is reasonable. This is reasonable. Love God. Love your neighbor. And have the fruit of the Spirit. Praying, praising, listening to God, waiting on God, yielding to God, trusting God, reading my Bible, giving to God, serving God. And all through all of that, having pure motives. Yeah? Having pure motives. It's one thing to read your Bible. It's another thing to have the right motive. It's one thing to lift your hands and to sing during a worship service. It's another thing to have the pure motive that says, God, I really do love you. Well, Gabriel, I don't. Well, it's because your view is wrong. There's no condemnation. I'm just trying to encourage you tonight that your view is wrong. If you don't have a desire, hear this, if you don't have a desire to read your Bible, it's because you're living from the wrong view. If you don't have a desire to pray, it's because you have the wrong view. If you don't have your desire to forgive your neighbor, the person that sinned against you last night, it's because you have the wrong view. If you have the desire to judge the person sitting across the table from you, it's because you have the wrong view. So then I need the right view. What's it look like to love my neighbor? Forgive them, serve them, encourage them, praise them, listen to them, accept them, receive them. That's what it looks like to love my neighbor. I'm going to love God. I'm going to love my neighbor. And through all this, I want to have the fruit of the Spirit. That is the essence of who I am. So my question to you tonight, what's your view? What's your view? What's your perspective in life? This could be one of the most important questions somebody asks you. One of the most important questions Jesus asked was, who do they say that I am? They said, well, some say you're the prophet, some say you're this guy, some say you're this guy. Jesus says, yeah, but who do you say that I am? That's an important question. I'm kind of asking the same question tonight. What's your perspective? What is your view Where do you put your mind? Where do you put your mind? If your mind is good, your whole body will be full of light. You'll live a godly, reasonable life. But if you've got a bad mind and put it in the wrong place, you know what, I I, I don't really don't think I have time for this, but I'm going to do it anyway. That word good, that word good means single. It means to be single and simple in your focus. That word bad means the opposite. It means you don't have a single focus, but you have so many focuses. 
You know why people have a, uh, their hearts are full of darkness and they're frustrated and they're angry and they can't sleep and they're bitter? They get caught up in so many things. Do you know why you struggle with those things? Do you know why I struggle with those things? It's because I allow my mind to go in so many different places. I allow my mind to be divided. Let our minds not be divided, but let our minds be simple and singly focused on one thing. God and His love. This is why, this is why it says it right here, uh, Matthew 6, 33. You know that scripture, Matthew 6, 33? For seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. You see what he's saying? This whole context is their perspective of how they lived. The whole perspective, I can go on a whole teaching about that, but I don't have time. But their whole perspective, Jesus' whole perspective was this. You singly and simply focus and seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and everything else will be taken care of for you. Don't seek your job. Don't seek your girlfriend. Don't seek your boyfriend. Don't seek your education. I seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and everything else will be taken care of for itself. If I seek first my God, I can love my wife. But if I seek first my wife, which truly is impossible, I will not love my wife. Because I won't have the right perspective. What is your view tonight? Do you have many views? You probably have many views. You probably have a lot of things. But I don't want to get into that right now. I want to talk about the important view. The important view. The right view. The correct view. The view that will change your whole life and your whole living and your whole, all of your actions and all of your meditations. It will change all of who you are. Not on my works and my righteousness. I don't set my view on what I've done. I don't set my view on my heritage. I gotta, this is something crazy. If your view is the custom of your family, then what happens when you leave your Christian family? If your perspective of why you're reading your Bible and why you're praying and why you're worshiping and why you're going to church, if your perspective for doing those things is because your family does those things, then your perspective is wrong. Because the moment that you leave your family, which family is so vital and important, but the, the moment that you leave your family, you go to college, you get married, whatever it happens to be, what are you living by? Your custom changes. Well, then your custom at your college, they drink, they party. They go out. They're gossiping and slandering. They don't even believe in God. So let not your view be your custom, but let your view be Christ and His mercies. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God. Let us put our view in the extravagant mercies of God. Let us put our view on the radical mercies of God. Let us put our view on how much He powerfully, relentlessly, and unconditionally loves you. You know, you're not going to come worship if your mind's on anything else other than that. If your mind is on what you've done this week, 
that gives you the desire and the ability to worship Him, if your mind is on that, you're not going to worship Him. If my mind was on it, I'm not going to. But if I put my mind, listen to me, listen to me. You have the ability to put your mind where you want to put your mind. And where you put your mind is where your life is going to end up. Put your mind on the mercies of God. All of His mercies. Mercy is so important to understand. Mercy, mercy communicates that you didn't deserve it. Mercy communicates, mercy implies, it has, this, it has this amazing implication that you were dead. That you were completely lost and had no hope. And by the way, there was nothing you could do about it. But because of His love, He showed you mercy. He had pity on you. And He pulled you out of the life of death, of sin. The life of judgment and condemnation. He pulled you out of that and He set you on the right foundation. On the true, solid foundation. i got to set my mind on that continually. My view must be of all the mercies of God. What is your view? Is it His mercy? Is it that He showed you pity? Is it that He forgave you? Is it that He cleansed you and washed you? Is it that He loves you? Or is your view what you can do for Him? Is your view, well, thank God for Jesus. This last week, was not doing good. This last week, I didn't get in my Bible, I didn't pray, I didn't, didn't forgive the person that yelled at me, I didn't, didn't even tell anybody hello this week, I'm just, a, I'm just a wreck. I'm expecting God to judge me. And then you get a flat tire, and you go, oh, thank you, Lord, that was because of what I did this week. Flat tire. But if your view is his mercy, if your view is I've been made right with Jesus and I've been made right with God, you're going to want to love him. If your view is God has forgiven me, He's shown me mercy. I can't wait to praise Him. If your view is, I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ. Gabriel, I don't really feel like that. It doesn't matter. Is your view your feelings? Because if your view is your feelings, then you're really going to struggle. Because I tell you what, I feel a lot of different things all the time. I'm feeling something right now. Tired. But I don't put my life on my feelings. I put my life on His mercies. His mercies, they're new every day. You know why it's reasonable for you to shout for Jesus? You know why it's reasonable for you to read your Bible 
and to continue to pursue to know Him. Do you know why it's reasonable to pursue the person sitting next to you and to stop being selfish and to get over your selfish attitude? you know why it's reasonable to do that? It's reasonable because of His mercies. The reason why you're not living that way is because you're living from the wrong perspective. You're living... You know why we don't forgive people? Because we've forgotten that He's forgiven us. And all we can do is think about that they did this to me. And so you go around life for years sometimes from the perspective that this person did this to me. This person did this to me. So I have the right to be bitter. I have the right to be mad. Well, that person's just extreme and they didn't have anything bad happen to them. And so you throw up all these excuses when every single one of us in this room has the same standard and the same ability and the same opportunity to live the reasonable life. You have the same opportunity and the same ability as I do because God has shown you mercy. And so now, how reasonable do you want to live? See, it's not about how much I read my Bible. and It's not about how much I pray. and It's not about how much I forgive or how much I talk to somebody that makes me righteous. But now I do those things because I've been made right with God. Now I do those things because it's the right, intelligent, rational, logical thing to do. I've received so much mercy, so I'm going to show mercy to my brother, to my sister. I'm going to do it because it's reasonable. Because I want to. Philippians 2.12 For God is working in you and giving you the desire you know God is working that in you? God is working in you that desire. You just aren't setting your mind on it. That's the truth. Let me tell you something. There's three kind of people. There's Jews. There's Gentiles. And there's new creation. There's Jews. There are Gentiles. And there's a new creation. If your faith is in Jesus, the Bible says you have been born again. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says that all things have become new. You are a new creation created in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you something about the new creation that is in you. It wants to read the Bible. It wants to pray. It can't wait to bless somebody. The new creation looks like Jesus. But your old person is how you look when your perspective is in the wrong place. You sin, you gossip, you slander, you make fun of somebody. You don't want to worship. You don't want to go to church because you're afraid that somebody's going to see you and you don't look good. Whatever. You're afraid. You're questioning why life even exists. You don't even know what the purpose of anything is. You're just confused. You don't like life. You're mad at life. You're mad at your parents. You're mad at your friend. You're mad at your cousin. You don't understand why I don't need to read my Bible. Because your view is in the wrong place. I want to help you 
I want to help you. I want to encourage you to present your bodies to God by loving Him, by loving your neighbor, and by living a godly life of the fruit of the Spirit. And you will not do that if your view, if your perspective is not on the mercies of God. Every day we ought to wake up and put our view in the mercies of God. I don't forget to do it tomorrow. I must do it tomorrow because if I don't put my view on the mercies of God tomorrow, then tomorrow I'm going to live a tough day. I'm going to have chaos in my heart. I'm going to be confused. I'm going to get mad. I'm going to backbite. But if my mind is continually focused on the mercies of God every day, all day, making my mind, put it subject and submitting it to Christ and His mercies, I will reasonably live this life that is godly and that loves God and loves my neighbor. In the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what does it look like to have a loving relationship with God. We're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about reading your Bible. We're going to talk about worship. We're going to talk about serving. We're going to talk about giving. We're going to talk about these things. And we're going to have the standard as high as the Bible allows us to go. And we're not going to talk about them. I'm not going to try and urge you and try to make you do this. I'm just going to say, look, in view of His mercies, this is what you ought to do. This is what you ought to do. This is what you should do. It's not what you have to do. You're not that freeing. You don't have to do this stuff. You don't have to read your Bible. You don't. Maybe you're living that way. Maybe that's the way you live. I have to do these things. Well, I can't do this. I can't hit this person with my car because it's the wrong thing to do. I can't do these things. I have to do this. No. I don't want to do those things. Why? Why don't you want to? Look what He did to you. Yeah, but look what God did for me. Yeah, but they've done it over and over and over again. I know. But look how God's forgiven me over and over and over and over again. I have to read my Bible. No. No, you don't. Why do you say that? Because, well, you don't have to. Will you read your Bible? Yeah, because I want to. Why do you want to? Because he's been so merciful to me. What happens when you start desiring to live for God? You won't ask the question, Gabriel, is it okay for me to do this with my girlfriend? Gabriel, is it okay to do this with my boyfriend? That's the wrong question. I've had parents call me and say, Gabriel, what do you say about dating? What's what's okay and what's not okay to do? I said, you're asking the wrong question. What do you mean? The right question is, Gabriel, how can I live a life that is pleasing to God with this person of the opposite sex? I 
I don't want to do this. Why? Because you can't know? Because he's been so merciful to me. And he's forgiven me. And I've been seated in heavenly places. I don't want to look at this thing on the internet called pornography because he's been so merciful to me. And I don't want to put my mind on the wrong thing because my God is good. And he's forgiven me of so much. Talking about real things that people in here really struggle with. And their problem is not that you need to work harder. Your problem is you need to put your view on the right thing. You know, worshiping God to me isn't stressful. It's a privilege. It's an opportunity. Because He's been so merciful to me that He would freely receive me daily. We have the worship team come up here. I guess when you look at this extravagant, extravagant meaning crazy, radical mercy of God. When you look at this radical mercy of God, the question ought to be, how can I live a life that is logical. In view of that, how can I live a life that is reasonable? I mean, what do I do about this mercy? What do I do about this marvelous love that has been given and poured into my heart? What do I do with this God that has fully accepted me? Even though I've lived this horrible life, what do I do with this God that has not only accepted me, but has washed me? What do I do with this God that seeks me in heavenly places? I shouldn't be seated there. I should be seated in hell. Why do I get that? What do I do with that? What do I do with this marvelous mercy? What do I do with it? Do I scream? Do I shout? Do I cry? Do I fall on my face? Do I read my Bible? I mean, what what do I do? Do I just worship all day long? Do I just keep praying without ceasing? Do I forgive my brother? What do I do with all this mercy? What do I do with this mercy? It's 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 so big, it's so far, it's so wide. No eye has ever seen how much it really is. What do I do with it? It's been given to me. I I don't I don't know what to do with this mercy. What do I do? Do I trust? Do I, I get on my knees? All of the above. And you find out any way you can to live reasonable. The question is not what should I, or sorry, what what do I have to do? The question is what can I do, Lord? My life is yours. I've been bought with a price. I'm not my own anymore. I don't want to ruin this temple. I don't want to ruin this mind. I've been purified. I've been, I've been washed. I've been, I've been cleansed. I've been made a child of God. Why would I not want to go worship my Father? I want to. In view of His mercies, I want to. 
in view of his mercies, I want to. Gabriel, why is it reasonable? Because in view of his mercies, I want to. Would you stand with me?